If you have your Bibles, I would like to invite you to turn to them to John chapter 17. John's Gospel chapter 17. This morning, this Easter Sunday, we're going to look at the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, if you uh, are visiting with us, uh, Cornerstone has been going through a sermon series in John chapter 17 called Jesus' High Priestly Prayer. Right before he went to the cross, before he was delivered over to be crucified, he prayed out loud this wonderful prayer uh, before his disciples. He prayed to God, his heavenly Father, that he prayed what was soon to take place on that holy week. So this morning we're going to circle back to John chapter 17, verses 1 through 5, and look at this glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is God's holy, inerrant, and authoritative word to us this day. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Pray with me. Father, in your amazing kindness, you have allowed us to gather this day and to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory. Help us this day to be drawn more and more into your heart. Help us to lift high the name of Jesus, for there is no other name by which we can be saved. Help us now to see the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Several thousand years ago, there was quite the commotion in ancient Jerusalem. The man named Jesus was celebrated and praised as he rode into town on a donkey. But then tragically, just days later, he was then mocked and crucified. It was a huge disappointment for all those who followed Jesus and loved him. After his death, there were three women who were devoted followers to Jesus and very close to him and loved him very much. They went to the tomb, the place of his burial, to anoint his body with spices. Matthew's Gospel tells us that when he got there, they were alarmed because the giant boulder, the rock that had sealed up the tomb, had been rolled away. They went into the tomb to look for the body of Jesus, but when they got there, they were terrified because there was a brilliant and powerful angel of the Lord sitting in there. And they were so afraid in that moment that the angel had to tell them, do not be alarmed. Do not be afraid. 
this angel that the two Marys had saw, Mary and the two Marys and Salome, had an encounter with this angel who announced the good news to them this first Easter morning. The angel said in Mark chapter 16, You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. Could you imagine being in those ladies' place on, on that day? I'm not sure there has ever been that much adrenaline to rush through a human body like that day. And what those women experienced. Believing in their hearts with with deep sorrow and grief, they saw Jesus crucified and dead. And now to hear that he was alive and to see the empty tomb. Wow! What must have they have felt? And that's why we're here this morning, brothers and sisters. That is why we are gathered here on this day. This this is why we worship the Lord every Lord's Day, every Sunday, because it is the day that Jesus rose up from the grave. Jesus, who was crucified, has risen from the dead. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! But before Jesus was crucified, before he was betrayed, he prayed this very long prayer in John chapter 17 to his heavenly father. And you and I are given an amazing opportunity in this prayer to listen in on this intimate and powerful conversation between God the Father and God the Son. And in the first part of this prayer, God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, he he prays for his glory. He specifically prays that God the Father would, would glorify him. And he declares that he glorified the Father while on earth because he came to accomplish the work that was given to him by the Father. So what exactly did Jesus mean when he asked the Father to glorify him? And how did Jesus glorify the Father while he was on earth? What was this work that he was given to do? These are the things that we will look at this morning. And at the beginning of this prayer, this high priestly prayer of Jesus, we see, we see that the purpose of the gospel is to display the glory of God. That is why Jesus came, to display the glory of God. And Jesus prays that his glory would bring glory to the Father. But again, how? How would he do it? How would Jesus glorify the Father? He begins this prayer when he lifted up his eyes. He says, Father, the hour has come. When Jesus requested that the Father glorify him, he was speaking at this moment very unambiguously. He was not trying to hide what he was saying and what he was doing. He was talking about his death. How do we know this? Because Jesus says, the hour has come. The hour appointed by God the Father that he would be crucified. 
over and over in John's Gospel, Jesus refers to the hour of his death. On Palm Sunday, back in John chapter 12, Jesus stated plainly, he says, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He was speaking of his death and then resurrection. So the hour he is referring to is the appointed time in God's eternal decree for Jesus to be offered as a sacrifice of atonement on the cross. This prayer is offered again just hours before his betrayal and crucifixion. So it was on the cross, the cross, a symbol of violence and, and torture and evil that would become the visible manifestations of God's redeeming love through Jesus Christ. Think about that. An object of torture and of crucifixion is now an object of God's redeeming love. Christ was crucified for our sin. God's love was manifested for us in giving his one and only son. And so the request that Jesus makes in this prayer is that God the Father would glorify the Son. The idea of, of glory or, or glorify it is, is heavy in John's gospel. It's heavy on his mind. He uses this word. Oh, that's kind of weird. <laughs> he uses this word over 40 times. And the heart uh, of the theme of glory of Christ is found in the first chapter of John. 1 John 1, 14, you've heard this before. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So the idea of glory is all over the scriptures and the, and the glory that John speaks about it. It's different from the world's glory. It's different from the glory that Gonzaga had last night, but that was pretty amazing. It's a heavenly glory. The Old Testament Hebrew word for glory is called kabod, and it means heavy. Because it speaks of, of the weight, of the heaviness of the glory of God. And now when Jesus specifically prayed that the Father would glorify him so that the Son may glorify the Father, what exactly is he praying? What is he saying? Jesus is praying that God would be glorified through the cross, resurrection, and exaltation of Jesus Christ. The cross, resurrection, exaltation of Jesus Christ. That is the glory. That's the, that's the glory of Easter. That is why we are here. That is what we profess in the Apostles' Creed when it says he suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified, dead, and buried. He Descended into hell the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and sitted on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. That is the glory of Christ. It is this cross, resurrection, exaltation of Jesus Christ that is his supreme glory and the supreme way that God the Father 
is glorified. And so over 2,000 years ago, on that first Easter weekend, God's supreme glory was demonstrated on those three days of the cross and resurrection. In this prayer, Jesus is asking God the Father to glorify him through what would take place on the cross and the resurrection. And nothing, nothing compares to the glory that is brought to God at the completion of this work by Jesus Christ in his death, resurrection, and exaltation to the right hand of God the Father. But for our purposes today, I want us to focus on those two key moments, those two key modes that God the Father purposed in time and eternity to accomplish the work of redemption. And that is through the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But why? Why did God have to do it this way? Why did God have to demonstrate his love and his purposes through the crucifixion and the resurrection? The Apostle Paul gives us the answer in Romans 4, verse 25. It's worthy of your meditation this Easter day. Romans 4, verse 25. The Apostle Paul states that Jesus was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. He was crucified for our sin, for our trespasses. He was resurrected. He was raised to life for our justification. Today we remember and we worship God for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that Jesus' resurrection, the purpose of his resurrection was for our justification. Now justification is a big word. Maybe you're hearing that for the first time. Maybe you've never understood that to be a deep and theological and meaningful word in the Bible. It's a Bible word that's at the heart of the gospel and we must understand it. What is justification? Let me give you a definition from the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Justification is an act of God's free grace whereby he pardons all our sins and accepts us as righteous in his sight and he does this because of the righteousness of Christ imputed to us, placed on us. That is what the gospel means. That's what the gospel is. That is what justification is. Jesus died for our sins. Our sin was placed on him on the cross. And his righteousness was given to us. You're all here in your beautiful Sunday best. I love it. I love it. Nothing like getting dressed up for Easter, right? It pales in comparison for the, the beautiful white robe of righteousness that we are given in Christ. And so the reason the resurrection is so important and so wonderful and so key to our salvation is because Jesus had to be raised to new life in order to complete the work that God had given him, the work of salvation. And so knowing this, brothers and sisters, knowing this, understanding this, meditating on this, believing this good news. The Bible says this is eternal life. Having this knowledge is eternal life. This is what Jesus says in the beginning of this prayer, verse 3. He says, this is eternal life that they may know you, that, they, that we may know you, the only true God, 
in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Having eternal life means receiving by faith, trusting by faith that what Jesus did on the cross and his resurrection, that is our salvation. That is how we are saved. When Jesus says that knowing this is eternal life, he's not trying to hang some divine carrot in front of us and try to get us to bite it. He's not offering us a prize at the end of the game of life. He is promising us, he's promising you and me true life. Life everlasting. He's promising you and me joy and meaning and purpose and ultimate knowledge and ultimate truth. That is what he promises us. The thing about all these Easter events, the crucifixion, the resurrection, and then later the ascension of Jesus, that is all true. It's all real. It all actually happened. How do we know that this is true? Well, we know it's true not because we saw it on Facebook. It's not because it appeared on the news channel. Is because it was written down for us by eyewitnesses and was attested by over 500 people who saw what happened to Jesus. And the Apostle John, who was a friend and brother of Jesus, he saw these things. He witnessed these things. He tells us of his eyewitness testimony several times in these gospel truths. And so it is by faith that you and I, this day, we receive these things. And we can be sure that it is true because Jesus did these things for all the world to see at that time. None of us were alive back then, but there were reliable, trustworthy eyewitness, eyewitness accounts who saw these things in real time and real history. And this is the glory of God. In our time, in our place, Christ was crucified. And he rose again, just as he said he would. Hallelujah, praise God. So how do we respond to this glory of Christ? How do we think about these things? The Puritan John Owen wrote a wonderful, wonderful work called The Glory of Christ. And so if you're looking for a book to read, I recommend it to you. Some wonderful Easter meditations for us. Owen said that Christ is especially glorious because he and he alone perfectly reveals God's nature to us. Without Christ, we would have known nothing truly about God, for we would have been eternally, he would have been eternally invisible to us. Think about this morning. Think about that this morning. That if Christ would have not lived and died and rose again, that God's love, the full revelation of himself, would have been hidden from us. But in Christ, the perfect image of God, he has been revealed to us. Think about this. God the Son, Owen says, he freely chose to become our mediator. He he willingly humbled himself in order that he might make a righteous peace between God the judge and man the sinner. All the events of Easter, Christ did willingly. What a wonderful and merciful Savior that we have, that he 
willingly humbled himself for us. Perhaps this morning you're weary or you're tired or you're confused or you're apathetic. Someone made you come here today for Easter. Praise God and you thank that person who made you come today because you got to hear the best news that there ever was. That there ever will be. John Owen says, one look at the glory of Christ will strengthen and comfort us. Just one look. Just one consideration of the glory of Christ will give you the strength and encouragement that your heart so desires. Meditating and thinking about the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is meant to bring you hope and joy. Again, Owen says, when we when we go to someone for help, two questions arise. First, is the person who, to whom we are going to, for help willing to help us? And secondly, is he able to help us? We need to know that Christ is both willing and able to help us and to meet all our needs. Isn't that amazing to think about this day, brothers and sisters? Christ is willing and he is able. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what's going on in your life right now, Christ is willing and able to help you. Amen. Praise the Lord for this. There are many lessons that we can all learn from this past year, right? Some of us are just now coming up for air. We're coming out of our homes for the first time. We're remembering what this feels like, right? This gathering together and worshiping together, we're still learning many lessons. But one lesson that I hope that you've learned this past year is that the world will let you down. The world will let you down. The world will will disappoint you every time you go looking for help there. The world has nothing to offer when it comes to love and hope and joy and peace. The world is fading away. And if you put your help in the things of the world, it will let you down every single time. I, I promise you that. And so Owen encourages us again. He says, if you find yourself at any time unwilling to part with this world, then lift your eyes by faith to the glory of Christ who humbled himself. Look to Christ who will never let you down. Do you want to know how I know that? I'm going to tell you. This is why I know that he will not let you down because he has already done the greatest work that could ever be done in your life. If you trust him by faith, if you trust that he died and rose again for you, then it is finished. The best thing has already been done. Praise the Lord. On this day, Resurrection Day, the Lord's Day, behold the glory of Christ. He was born. He died. He rose again. He ascended into heaven. And he's coming again. He's coming again. 
Jesus is the proof that God is real. That he loves us. That's the message of Easter this morning. That is the good news. God came down at Christmas time. But on Easter, he died and rose again. He has risen. He has risen indeed. It's all here for you in the scriptures, brothers and sisters. Go and read God, John's gospel. He'll tell you all about it. That Jesus came to be the Savior, the Messiah, that he's the Son of God, that he is willing and able, that he willingly died for those who would come to him. And he promises that by believing in him, you will have eternal life and joy and pleasure. And you too, one day, will be resurrected to newness of life. This prayer shows us the heart of God in the glory of Christ. His grace and His love and His mercy toward us. Let Jesus have the last word where He says, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Oh God, we praise you and we thank you for sending your one and only son who was born of a man, born of the virgin, who was under the law, who sympathizes with us, who willingly suffered and died, who humbled himself even to the point of death on the cross. But he was raised to newness of life. And that same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us. It lives in us. So we praise you and thank you for what you have done for us through the Lord Jesus Christ. Fill us with this good news of Easter today. Help us to sing praises and hallelujah to the Son of God, our Savior and King. In his name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.